0: All right, everybody, welcome to the February 8th edition of Cascadian Views. I've got Dan and Chris with me here again this week as we wrap up, uh, well, Iowa week, I, I guess.
1: <laughs> or is it impeachment week? Yeah. <laughs>
0: there's a lot going on. <laughs> is it orange face week, I think? there's. You know, we've got all these competing stories. Uh, you know, if we're going to start talking about things that came across, uh, Trump's Twitter feed, then did you notice he's, he's putting his weight behind getting, uh, Pete Rose into the hall of fame. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. He, he's picked that up as a cause today. Uh, talking about how it's totally fine. What he did, you know, he gambled on his own team to win and it's been 30 years and it's time to get him into the hall of fame. Finally. That's just confidence, man. <laughs> Uh, and also, since we're on Trump's Twitter feed with that orange face comment, he actually retweeted the picture itself out. That that didn't seem like something he'd want to do. I don't know why. Not generally,
2: no. It's fake news. It's totally fake news. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, he's the it's really not, biggest, though. The single largest account on
0: Twitter, and he
2: broadcast it, so. Hooray, we all get to see
0: him look like a clown. Yeah, and if you're willing to believe a professional, like, news photographer, who is a White House news photographer, like, this is his beat, uh, or her beat, excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. that photo was completely untouched. <laughs> so, uh, I- I'm willing to trust the professional journalist who's staking her, like, professional reputation on that. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I- What's fake news about that? His face looks ridiculous. This is not new to anybody. (laughs) He's president more than Joe.
1: He says it is not so, and therefore, for his followers, it is not so.
0: Uh, Let's move to things of substance. (laughs) How about Iowa? Iowa took basically all week. (laughs) It's still not over in... Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, the The, the numbers they've, they've given definitely... us is probably wrong. Yeah. Uh, Tom Perez. Uh, that is his name, right? Tom. Yes. Tom okay. Perez. Yeah. I I had that in my head. I just wanted to make sure I was not completely butchering that. Uh, he's called on the Iowa Democratic Party to canvass the results. I haven't heard anything out of Iowa saying that they will. Uh, the campaigns also can petition for a re re-canvass. I don't know if any of them will. I kind I don't of why they bother. Yeah, I kind of feel like we just need to move on. Like, that was fucked up. Let's never repeat that ever again and move on. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you leave
2: it as it is, then it's, you know, Schrodinger's caucus and both, you know, Sanders and Buttigieg can declare victory. And, yeah, they get the same number of
0: delegates anyway. Yeah, so both of them have an equally valid claim to that victory. Leave it, it be. Yeah. <laughs> Let them both take their bit and and move on. And by the way, Warren and and Warren and Biden are either collectively not terribly far behind, or Warren is right there too, and Biden's pretty bad, depending on how you look at these SDs. Uh, the AP at one point with like eighty two percent returns in was uh, estimating thirteen, thirteen, ten, six, one or ten four one. Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of I national delegates, I saw CNN had an estimate that actually gave Buttigieg uh, one more national delegate. It was like uh, fourteen Buttigieg, thirteen Sanders, and then like Warren got seven, Biden got five, and Klobuchar got none or something like that.
2: More rigging, not acceptable. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I think it's very
1: important that we keep them tied so we don't have to do a recanvass. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why Perez decides he wants to just. Keep the, keep it going, you know? Yeah,
2: let's, let's really get to the bottom of this and just keep the candidates furious at each other. That sounds awesome.
0: Uh, the Republicans immediately seized uh, with a number of prepared lines. Most notably, uh, these people can't even run a caucus, but they want to run your health care. Which I first saw on Laura Ingram's Twitter feed, and eventually, like, the president of the RNC was on uh, the news saying that exact line. The president yeah. tweeted it out. That was, that was entirely from some communication staff. Yeah.
2: I mean, the good thing is that we're not going to go and get a bunch of 70-year-old Iowa volunteers to run Medicare <laughs> for all. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, it's a good line.
0: yeah um i i guess looking at it warren actually ended up overperforming her numbers slightly uh klobuchar as well uh biden underperformed compared to what he was polling at sanders
2: basically hit par and then Buttigieg, i think massively outperformed so
0: uh i wouldn't know if i'd say massively outperformed uh he, he was getting about what he was getting. So he ended up winning about three-quarters of the caucuses. Uh, okay. Like the actual precincts, the, the individual caucuses themselves. But he was viable essentially everywhere in the state. Yeah. He, he was viable in nearly 90% of precincts. By far the highest in the field. Nobody even came close to his number. I think the next person was like 10% back. Mm-hmm. Like, do so gives him. Them- yeah he he right. eked out state delegate equivalents everywhere. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. nowhere in the state he didn't come away with at least something from
2: mm-hmm. that's that's impressive i mean he's i mean you get down to it he's a thirty eight year old guy whose only office has been you know uh, serving you know twenty thousand voters at a time so yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> he managed to pull this off.
0: That's pretty wild. He's uh he's kind of searching into New Hampshire too. Should I be getting ready for a President Pete?
2: <laughs> I I find you know I I don't see how that ends up happening. I mean, even if he does, really, you know, suppose he just completely destroys Biden, and you know, there's nobody else. I think I think the party ends up going with Sanders in that event, but. I could be wrong. I don't you know. They would choose Sanders
1: over him?
0: Yeah, I, I think the voters probably would. Has there ever been a time a candidate won both Iowa and New Hampshire and did not win the nomination? Like
2: the same candidate
0: that won both? Yes. Um, Has there ever been a candidate took the first two states and did not go on to win the nomination? Probably not. not. Since, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, I find it hard to see that sort of momentum... Falling away. I mean, I mean, if it's going to though, running into say South Carolina and Nevada is probably a good way for that to happen. Yeah. But so on guess, the other hand, like momentum breeds momentum. I mean, there's plenty of candidates that
2: you know don't win Iowa or New mm-hmm. Hampshire that and go on and end should go on and winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was Bill Clinton. That was mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> It's, you know, I think Biden's in a really hard spot right now. I kind of talked over you, Chris. What were you going to (laughs)
1: say? Well, I was just going to say the thing that I would really want to, like, the perceived weakness that he has is that he really doesn't excite voters of color. And then if you look at the debate, when given another chance to address that, he totally flubbed it. Like, I just don't know if he gets past Southern primaries. Yeah. I think you're absolutely
2: right Uh, and I think that's where that's probably where he ends up getting beat really I mean if it really does come down to him and Sanders because you know Biden is you know running away with voters of color right now but Sanders is a distant second so I would think he'd probably be able to build on that if that came to occur (coughs) but who knows we could very well be heading towards an open convention with all this so
0: place your bets <laughs> uh, open convention does that help Bloomberg the, the, the only person who really like benefits over that from just like instead of playing out the primaries and trying to win it there the only person who really like needs that contested convention is probably Bloomberg yeah yeah, yeah I think that's probably the one condition under which he'd yeah. win I mean I'm not right. to say that it means he wins obviously the other candidates are you know also well positioned to walk away from a contested convention but Bloomberg's whole strategy is basically to play for one if he's really trying to you know be the nominee which is still I guess an open question yeah
2: hmm Yeah it's tough to say I mean oh man it's just that I hope we don't get there because the politics of that and how we'd end up coming out of that. I don't know how we'd ever pull back together in time for November.
0: Uh probably uh, something that has to do with Ken winning the league via drafting uh Kerry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> did anybody draft
2: Michelle Obama? I think that's the only one we could probably unify behind. Uh
0: it's...
2: I don't know about that, man. <laughs> I I'm trying to think, who else who else unifies the party?
0: Who do we do we really want to put oh. up, like, the person Trump uses as a punching bag more than anything else, the Obamas? I mean, that gives him his ideal opponent. Well, no, I mean, his ideal opponent. Well, I mean, besides the person Hillary
2: with the Clinton. Bag, Hillary Clinton, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I Who else, I mean, who else isn't going to piss, like, 20 percent of the party
0: off i, I if, mean honestly a, a nom- i want to too. nominate yeah. in an empty suit i yeah. want to nominate somebody who's going to you know run on a good government platform who's going to keep the trains running and who's not going to upset any apple tar- carts. and i, I well, we've got one running. He's just pulling
1: yeah. it off. <laughs> we've got a couple. we've got we've got Biden. We've got Pete.
2: you
0: know <laughs> I even argue some of the more progressive on there. I would absolutely put Warren into that camp. She wants to fix the system. She doesn't want to build a new system. Yeah well, that's uh, why
1: I actually think she could do. It would depend on what your kind of mathematical breakdown looks like. But I could definitely see the party at some point saying,
0: If Sanders is number two with how much they don't want it to be
1: Sanders, (laughs) right?
2: maybe, yeah, it could come to that too. If Biden totally collapses,
0: I don't think it's going to come to that. If if Bernie is like number two or even a plurality under a majority of, of delegates with how much the, the Bernie camp hates Warren now, I cannot see them being okay with that. Yeah. Vlad did a really good job on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't see a consensus pick out there. I I posted on Twitter like a month ago that at this point, I think the infighting is getting so bad that it'd probably be for the best if Biden wins Iowa and wraps it up early. Well, Mm -hmm. that didn't fucking happen. No. God, No, it does. (laughs) not. (laughs) The exact opposite of that, in fact, happened. So, like, fuck. Watch him
2: win South Carolina, but like, two percent over tom steyer or whatever and then we're (laughs) going with absolutely nobody's in any strong position by the time we get to super tuesday award a third of the delegates and then you
0: know what maybe it's steyer maybe it is have you he's been playing the happy warrior this whole campaign he's been the billionaire everybody agrees (laughs) with bernie and warren are like very happy to talk about how even he's on their side and whatnot, he makes a very good like counterpoint to the <laughs> whole like you hate wealth article. He every time he got asked a question that debate, it seemed like he made the point about how Bernie's his friend.
2: <laughs> it I, takes a literal billionaire. He to
0: has yeah, to he has. Democrats he has worked really hard not to <laughs> offend anybody. He has worked very hard at being a Boy Scout who wants to be everybody's fucking friend.
1: He was literally standing between them when they were fighting. <laughs> so <sorry. Yeah. laughs> Trying
0: to get a handshake and a hug from Bernie. Oh my god. Oh, That is wild. <laughs> I, there are stranger universes than the one where Tom Steyer ends up being the like consensus open uh, convention pick. Yeah, and Probably
1: oh worse, worse options.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna put in my plug here for Al Gore. <laughs> I would That's not mind right. seeing a return of Al Gore. We'll we'll get it right this time. Doesn't he so. have a beard now? What's that? Doesn't he have a beard now? I don't know if he does now. No, no he's, he's shaved had it off and on.
2: Yeah. Okay. He'd probably shave it. You know, Paris is worth <laughs> a mass. He
0: he'd go clean shaven again. He got pretty, he got pretty chunky for a while there too. Holy cow! I walk in, I'm just like reading through a timeline of Al Gore pictures. <laughs> it's great. They go back from like 1982 up to 2017.
1: Yeah, well, he was in serious hump territory in the 80s. So yeah, he was a
0: snack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was back when he was uh, helping invent the internet. Right. All right. Um, I guess we'll move on to impeachment and retribute. Actually, no, let's circle back around. This will be our last show before the New Hampshire primaries. Uh, The latest polling has Pete surging to a statistical tie, maybe a slight edge, uh, Uh over Sanders. Anybody want to make any calls? How do you think it's going to play out? I think Sanders is still
2: going to pull it out. Maybe I'm... Maybe I'm dooming him just by saying it, but I feel like he's
0: gonna pull it out. Please say more then.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a couple of polls that show Pete making some pretty good progress, but New Hampshire is his home turf. I It's next to his like, home turf. Yeah, it's next to his home state. Uh, they hate Vermonters less than they hate massholes So I think he's gonna I think he's gonna hold it out and it'll probably be closer than he's really comfortable with but I think he's still going to win
1: that's my pick my pick is that he pulls it out but by a small enough amount that people are kind of saying I don't know yeah. he was supposed to be really strong here mm-hmm. what I think is an interesting question is if Biden ends up fourth
0: again Yeah, even a
1: close third is not going to be good for him
0: I, I mean Biden is ending up fourth, right? theres He's not taking Warren. Is he in New Hampshire? I thought she was still pretty well ahead of her.
2: I think they're within the margin of error of each other. Really? Oh, that's bad news, man. Yeah, I mean, if he does get third, that's probably his comeback narrative, maybe?
0: Uh, Shades of Flint in there. Didn't (laughs) he (laughs) write a third place finish in New Hampshire to the comeback kid narrative? Exactly. Well, then
2: what he's got to do then is win Nevada. Like, that's kind of what it would come to. He'd have to really win hard in Nevada and smack down Steyer to win in South Carolina pretty convincingly, too. And then he's back on track.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think there's surprises to come in New Hampshire. I think the peak momentum's real. I think he sneaks out state in. Uh For some reason, I just feel like there's the maximum chaos possible this year. Uh, <laughs> yes. Everything seems to be coming down that way, and at some point, if you just embrace it, it's more fun. We're going to have a 38-year-old mayor of what should be a mid-sized suburb in, in any real metro area when the first two nominations are president, and it's going to be wild. That's my prediction. Yo. Well, yeah,
1: I really, I mean... I, I guess debating Trump is, is no fun because you easily win the debate, but it doesn't matter because he's Trump. I really wanted to see Pete debate Mike.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: He's like an anti Battle of the mayors. That would okay. have been a great... <laughs>
0: oh, no, yeah, it's except Bloomberg Mike was... Debate. Oh, uh, oh uh, Mike Pence. Okay. Right, right, okay. <clears> hmm. <throat> That'd be something. Okay, Uh, let's move on to the impeachment vote, uh, which had some surprises in it, although the outcome was what we've always known the outcome was going to be. Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't sure about Romney seemed like kind of a surprise. Uh, I don't. Mm. Romney has been whipping for yes votes on impeachment. Romney was always going to vote yes on impeachment. Uh, and McConnell knew that. They never even approached Romney about this vote. Not once. Mm-hmm. Romney himself confirmed that. It was always like, you know, a, a piece of background information uh, on talk about McConnell in the Senate. But then uh, Romney gave that interview to The Atlantic, and he, he let it out there. They, they never even fucking talked to him. They wrote yeah. him off from the moment it started.
1: Yeah, well, there's a pretty good argument that the whole reason he ran for Senate was to be in position to do this.
0: So, Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. Romney did not surprise me at all. I, I thought it was basically a fait accompli that he was going to do that. Being, excuse my terrible French, I took Spanish in high school.
1: <laughs> well, then I'm upset that he didn't whip better. Yeah,
2: would have been nice to bring along like Lisa Murkowski or something or Mike Lee. Uh
0: yeah I I I don't understand the Collins vote I don't uh in, in fact if anything I almost feel like the Senate GOP could have thrown her a bone by allowing somebody to vote for witnesses if you drag what's the filing deadline for the the main Republican primary. I don't know, but if you drag this trial out past that, I bet you she votes for impeachment.
2: Yeah, yeah, if she didn't have to worry about a Republican coming for her. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, so she she probably loses to Gideon, but there is not a chance in hell she makes it to a general. If she draws a primary challenger, she's losing like two to one against a generic unnamed Republican. Right, yeah. See here, filing deadline is the third, the sixteenth of March. So, so if they if could have dragged votes. this trial out till March, I bet you she <laughs> votes for impeachment. Yeah, uh, because that, is. yeah, that <laughs> helps, that helps her against Gideon. Uh, but her bigger threat was the Republican primary. If they yep. can can keep the board clear through the primary, so she doesn't face a challenge she probably votes with Romney to convict in order to buy street cred for the general election against Gideon.
2: Yeah, kind of make up for the Kavanaugh vote. Well, she didn't get the chance, so
0: yeah. good. <laughs> I'm I'm almost surprised. that With the whole Bolton thing going on and the book and, and all that, I'm almost surprised the Republicans didn't just pivot to prevent, uh, protecting Collins. I mean, it would have been the perfect time to do it. Start making a process, issuing subpoenas. You can drag out, you know, even getting the people down to Washington, D.C. for a week or two, and then each person is probably, you know, two or three days of testimony, send to works four days a week. You could easily have dragged, like, five witnesses out past that filing deadline.
1: And obviously, there was literally nothing they could hear that would have made them swing, so...
0: Exactly. Like... (laughs) As soon as the Republicans seemed like they were folding, and McConnell was seemed like he was losing control of the caucus over the witnesses' vote, I almost entirely expected them to pivot to protecting Susan Collins, to using the witnesses as a, a cudgel, to let her do what she needs to do for the general.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, you know, Romney's move left her even more exposed because now, you know, Gideon can run ads, you know, comparing and contrasting. Look here's the real moderate, here's the real maverick, you know, Collins has been blowing smoke up your butts this whole time.
0: Yeah. So, Romney only voted to convict on one count. The second one, he said he wanted to vote to convict, but the House had not exhausted all their options on the obstruction. They hmm. And to be fair, the House did drop a lot of court cases in order to kind of move this along to the Senate. They didn't want to drag this out for forever in the House. They don't want it to get muddied up in six months of legal battles or whatnot. Uh, Romney mm. would have wanted them to take those legal battles before he voted to convict on the obstruction, but he did vote to convict on the abuse of power. And yeah, in the
2: end, it's it's history. It's the only time this has happened. Period.
0: Yeah, the only time there's ever been a bipartisan vote to remove uh, a president. Every, every other time, it was always the minority party voting to convict.
2: Yeah. Well, for now, because I guess when we segue into the retribution, this is one of his many demands. <laughs> that it be expunged. Yeah, yeah so
0: retribution, let's run down the list. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman and his brother have been fired from their White House jobs, uh, National <laughs> Security Council <laughs> jobs. Gary Sondlin has been recalled as ambassador to the EU where he can return to a battle between Portland and Seattle over which city he's from. <laughs> Both of our newspapers like to claim him as being from whichever city they're in. Not, not disclaim? Nope, nope. Just <laughs> yeah. Seattle guy. yeah, no, Seattle Times says he's a Seattle-based hotelier, and Oregon <laughs> Live says he is a Portland-based hotelier. <laughs> I, I've noticed that uh, over the impeachment coverage. It's apparently undetermined what city is actually from. Schrodinger's hotelier. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, I, I guess there's more coming down the the pipe, uh, and one of the things that's currently being broached, particularly by the president's kids, is kicking Mitt Romney out of the Republican Party. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. This is actually getting serious thought. They they're trying to amass him. Uh, I I don't I don't really know if there's stomach in the Senate GOP to remove him. Um, especially with the way he phrased his whole vote, the way he appealed to things. He, do, do you guys know George Romney, his dad, like his whole history? A little, yeah. Yeah, ran for president, probably wouldn't have been able to serve. He was, in fact, born in Mexico. Um, But one of the things that he really did was he, he played a moral alarm over uh, the Civil Rights Act in the GOP. He, he really took the party to task for their their opposition to the Civil Rights Act. He, he made himself an apostate in the Republican Party for really framing this as a, a moral issue for them when they were looking at it very much as politics and, you know, keeping Southern whites on their side and whatnot. Uh, so this is not new territory for Romney. And I think, you know, kicking him out of the party just brings back bad memories of how wrong they were with George Romney, too. I mean, if they had shame, obviously. Right. Whether or not they have shame is an
2: open question. It it needs to be said here again that the chair of the Republican Party is his niece. His actual niece. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. who, Who Trump basically forced to stop using her own name because it annoyed him. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a total absence of shame, even down to, you know, disclaiming your own family. She even picked a fight with him on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I just, I, I can't see the Senate GOP kicking him out. Yeah. I, mean, I can see the House GOP, but they have no yeah. say. Yeah.
2: I think it just makes it worse for them if they do.
1: In some dream world, it would be great if they kicked him out and then lost just enough seats that him deciding to caucus with the Democrats flipped it.
0: Oh, he would <laughs> – I don't think he would ever caucus
1: with the Democrats. I uh, don't either. It's a dream. A de- but
0: I mean, I, to the other hand, though, I could totally see him working with them. His, his, uh, his record as governor of Massachusetts is incredibly bipartisan. And you saw that in the response to his vote on impeachment. People were talking all over the place that, you know, this was the Mitt Romney they knew from Massachusetts before oh. whatever the fuck happened in 2012 happened, <laughs> where right. he, he turned yep. into the the super conservative. Um, to be honest, I could totally see him and Angus King running off in some bromance to have an independence caucus that has some supply and, uh, What's the British term supply and uh, confidence and confidence and supply agreement with the Democrats without you know being officially part of the caucus
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean he's still ultimately he's got to, if he wants to continue
2: being a senator he's got to keep getting reelected in Utah which is a very conservative place even if they don't really care for Trump I mean he was a Republican governor of Massachusetts but it also was a a very democratic state so he yeah.
0: He had to do a lot of the things he did there, but, yeah. Him Uh, and Mick Adams can go form some, like, Mormon independent party and get half the state to vote for them. There you go, yeah. Deseret party, they've even probably perfectly uh, got a name that fits in well with the mythology of Utah and the former, you know, glory of its own independent past. He could make that work, as long as he stays conservative. Which he's going to. Mitt Romney's not suddenly going to become a socialist. They could <laughs> probably take that and you know take it
2: to Idaho, too, maybe. Yeah. You know, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's I, I got legs.
0: Seriously. The Deseret Conservative Party or something like that. Mm-hmm. I could totally see him taking a chunk out of the Mountain West with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Retribution. Uh, they seem pretty open about it, too. Uh, the president's kids were talking about, you know, thank you, Adam Schiff, for showing us all these people we need to purge, uh, not even, you know, putting a fig leaf over it. Yeah, it's, man, it's
2: kind of scary seeing it, you know, the mask off like that. I mean, with Trump, you usually assume that it's like at least 80 to 90% bluster, but that's yell, going around yelling around like a dictator.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the only reason it's bluster is because he gets distracted and moves on, or else enough people behind the scenes tell him, don't do that. I, They have sold all that away.
0: Well, I mean, four hours There's before so he fired Bindman, <laughs> the, uh, the head of the, the DOD gave a press conference where he said he will not stand for any retaliation against his service members. Four hours later, the president fires the Vindman's. Four hours. So, <laughs> so what's he do now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Good yeah, Dan. They guy. are telling him no, not even just behind the scenes. They told him <laughs> in a press conference to, you know, the national audience, and he did it four hours later. Mm-hmm.
2: That's good. The guardrails are holding. Yeah, no, no, they're not. <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: The uh, the whistleblower saga also finished up when uh, Rand Paul gave his post-impeachment remarks where he decided to have the whistleblower on the floor of the Senate uh, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this after the Chief Justice wanted his question. We talked about this last week. Uh, just, it was a farce. It was a farce through and through. Uh, I am impressed we held all the Democrats, though. Every last one of them.
2: Yeah.
0: Even, yeah, Doug Jones, who's, I guess...
2: Deciding that, well, he's got nothing left to lose. Uh, Mansion—that's kind of the one I wasn't thinking might be the biggest threat to depart from the caucus. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I, I like Mansion more than anybody else on the show. I think he's always there on the big <laughs> votes. On the big votes, he is always behind us, and especially when he can paint him as a fighter. Like mm-hmm. West Virginia might love Trump, but they love somebody who throws punches too. It's part of the reason they love Trump. You know, you go to a boxing match to see two people throw some punches. You're pretty okay with that. doesn't matter who wins. Uh, And I just, I think Manchin knows that state so well. He's one of my favorite senators. Uh, Just because of the improbability of his victories. I mean, that is a state where he is so heavily outnumbered on party registration, you know, voter affiliation, just... All the metrics say he should be dead in the water by, like, 70 points, and he just wins every time. Every frickin' time he wins. He's He's got got some deep roots there. (laughs) Yeah, that too. (laughs) And, I mean, he's been there for forever. He's been in the house from that state since, what, the 70s or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh... Anything you guys want to say to wrap up impeachment?
2: Uh, well, you know, it's you know, just shows the stakes are so high, so it's great that uh, the Democrats are in rock-solid array, and we are coming out of this primary so unified and ready to uh, <laughs>
0: remove this criminal president. It's great. It would actually be that, too, if it weren't so fucked up. We were so <laughs> unified for impeachment. Even the vote. God damn it. Yeah. all right uh we'll move on to something that is kind of a hybrid between a national and a a local story uh one of the things that has deep roots in the democratic uh coalition is is labor it's really the one of the foundations of our, our party uh and one of the biggest labor unions on the west coast the Longshoremen's union which done a better job for their members i I feel like they're reading all this coverage than the the east coast longshoremen's union uh but it's caused some rough feelings in certain parts of the, the labor community and they had a dispute with a uh a client at a portland port here uh that's probably going to end up bankrupting the entire union uh and it's something we uh We've been aware for a couple weeks and kind of wanted to talk about and dan you are our resident expert in things such as labor organizing
2: yeah we had a story posted in our facebook group uh what it's really coming down to is this uh civil suit that they've gotten smacked with uh actually uh, the court case in portland uh they've been in i guess a couple of labor disputes over the previous years with uh this uh company based out of the philippines international container terminal services which is a pretty nasty outfit which uh, is known for treating its employees pretty badly out in their uh, home ports mostly in uh, southeast asia indonesia and what the allegations were was that in the course of some of these labor disputes in on their west coast ports uh, the union was engaging in a number of illegal secondary boycotts and other things that harmed the business of this uh, company and forced them ultimately to break their lease with uh, which was it the city of port with the port of portland or was it a different
0: one that they ended up breaking off with? Um, I believe it was a sublease through the port of Portland to an operating company for the pier and then to that company.
2: Right. So, I mean, that's a significant amount of monetary damages and what that, the jury award that's come out of this is 93.6 million, which yeah, is over probably 11, 12 times the actual assets of the union itself. So, yeah, and I assume that you know they could probably contest that and maybe you know get you know some of that reduced on appeal if they took it to the Ninth Circuit Court. Although God knows if they took it all the way to the Supreme Court, what kind of horrible things Sam Alito would do with it.
0: But, so from what I was reading, they're actually only liable for fifty-five percent of the jury award. Um, yeah, and they've got some sort of like insurance or something for the other oh, part sure. of it. Yeah,
2: li- liability insurance, which is going to be standard for any, either nonprofit or corporation, they're going to carry. Is you know, if we do something that gets us sued, we also have coverage for that. So yeah, I mean they do, but they also their premiums would skyrocket. You know, mm. to pay that insurance, they've also got to pay for a certain portion of that, and again, that's well above and beyond anything that their current assets can cover, and. It looks like they've been kind of put into the situation where if they want to even attempt to pay for, like, their legal fees, they're going to have to look at a substantial dues increase.
0: So I've just – I've got a little bit of a question about how this all comes together. From what I was reading in the L.A. Times, which took kind of a a deep dive into the background on this, Mm -hmm. um, the the average longshoreman uh, under this union – in, in fact, the, the regular longshoremen under this union mm-hmm. get paid like $178,000 a year. Uh, clerks make $200,000. The The foremen, the walk-in bosses, make almost $300,000 a year. To pay this off, uh, they could have a direct levy of a little under $3,500 per member of the union. That is When you look at the wages, that doesn't seem like... That big of a hit why are the union members not willing to do this direct levy to pay for this
2: is that I'm just curious Is that like an annualized wage based on an hourly rate or is that you know what these folks actually report on their w-2s?
0: Um, so uh, From the article, I'll just read it through here uh, union doc workers make a starting wage of $171,000 a year plus okay. free health care No, no employee input on that Clerks average $194,000, or foreman or walking bosses $282,000. So, I mean, these are well-paid employees. A direct levy of, you know, a little over $3,000 does not seem like it would, especially if you amortize that over six months or something, does not seem like it would be that big of an impact. Uh, And I don't see why the union members aren't willing to go down this route. But it from everything I've read, there is absolutely zero appetite in the union for any sort of direct levy to pay these legal fees.
2: Yeah, I mean, what I, I'd be curious to know, like, the size, or, yeah, how many people that would be spread by, because that's, that's an enormous amount of money, even still. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, that is, I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear those wages. That's not really what I think of as dock worker wages at all.
0: Well, this uh, is one of the things I was pointing out, that this union has successful. done a, a much better job than the East Coast Longshoremen's Union. And that's also yeah. another thing that's driving a little bit of this. There's apparently a, a bit of bad blood and jealousy between the West Coast dock workers and the East Coast dock workers. And there's been, like a, I guess, a longstanding labor feud between these two unions.
2: Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I'm just pulling up. But I mean, if you're if
0: you're getting those wages, it seems pretty clear that the union is doing their job. So paying a, sure. a direct levy to cover this to allow the union to continue operating seems, I guess to me, no-brainer. But on the other hand, if I got paid $172,000 a year, that would be new territory. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Huh. Yeah, you'd think you'd want to preserve that so in the
0: future you could keep your benefits. I would – I'm wondering if there's some mm. kind of uh... – And it's not like they have to pay this tomorrow. They could easily get a loan to pay it that's backed by six months of repayment right. from union members. They could spread the pain out. So it's not like everybody's taking a $3,000 write-down on this paycheck. You now pay $500 a month for six, eight months or something. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I because, yeah, they
2: allow the union to go broke, then, you know, they're kind of stuck. You know, the, I don't think they can go with, I think they would have to go without representation for at least a year before they could form another one. Uh, yeah, that is very penny-wise and pound-foolish, if that's what it comes down to. Huh.
0: Yeah, and the... um the The dirty tricks, quote unquote, that the union played is not anything that seems out of the ordinary for a labor dispute they They intentionally slow drove trucks, they parked vehicles in places that would block containers and they reported uh, bogus mechanical problems to stop work for the day. I mean that right. that seems like relatively acceptable labor dispute tactics
2: well it's is it's work to rule basically, or kind of an aggressive form of work to rule where you. And the idea is you follow regulations to the letter or you know, terms of the contract to the letter uh, in a way that irritates the employer or the uh, other party with which you're in the dispute to acquiesce and you know realize that you know whatever the demands are, less costly than the disruption to their business. But yeah, yeah, it, well, it costs, I guess this company enough that they ended up having
0: to break their lease. So, hence the damages. I think they just didn't want to deal with it. I mean, they're coming from a, a Philippines that is increasingly hostile to certain sorts of expression, including labor expression. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe they just decided they didn't want to fuck with the union anymore, and the courts decided, hey, we're from the birch society, why not? That's the, that's the proximate cause, so here you go.
2: Yeah, or, you know, Federalists. Yeah, yeah. Huh.
0: Interesting. Hmm. Um, And I I guess the the other big thing they're trying to avoid here um, is a Chapter 11 uh, bankruptcy, which is what they go to. They wouldn't dissolve completely um, unless they absolutely had to go for Chapter 7. But a Chapter 11 would open up a lot of their books, and that's something they don't want to do they're they're one of the more private unions in in the country uh and they have very little public disclosure about donations funding uh where the money goes to and whatnot and they don't want the companies that they provide labor for getting their hands on that so it's just it's all
2: something yeah yeah yeah. it's all just members as well but yeah
0: yeah true but uh yeah, it just it all seems like a mess, and it comes down to Portland trying to get its its port working. the The shipping container port has been largely fallow for a while. Uh, this was going to be the new anchor client that really brought the port back. Then mm-hmm. you know it fell through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we see a lot these days is unions having a, a bunch of trouble, primarily through Janus and the the factors that come into funding through that. But even you know, private sector unions are facing a pretty big squeeze. And uh, this was just a good story to remind people of that this is one of the largest, most successful unions in the nation, and well, they might be going under. Yeah, crosswise with the wrong company. That yeah, I guess brought
2: an international perspective to bear which is <laughs> pretty hostile to you know we, it's kind of interesting to kind of pull back and take that perspective as well i mean in in left circles it's pretty common to you know bash on the united states as you know this arch capitalist country and that is true but you also look at you know this kind of it's from a certain perspective it's kind of a bastion of remaining liberalism when you compare it to rising powers like china or Russia's not necessarily a rising power, actually definitely isn't, but China certainly is, India certainly is, and their attitudes towards things like worker rights and the environment are very, very different, and much, much more hostile to what, you know, progressives would like to
0: see. (laughs) I would classify Russia as a rising power, or maybe a reestablishing power. I mean, it's asserting different types of power
2: now, but it's still Uh, got an economy in the dumps, and it's hitch to an industry that hopefully is dying
0: yeah but i mean it also has a massive labor force with you know the third or fourth largest population on the planet earth it's vast stretches of natural resources and you know after 30 years in the wilderness it's starting to get its feet underneath it again remember what it's like to be a superpower Mm -hmm. it's not there yet but it's starting to have memories All right. Well, uh, that's just about going to do it. Uh, we've already took our predictions for New Hampshire. Is there anything else you guys are looking forward to this week? Well, the Academy Awards are tomorrow, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> How could I have ever forgotten that? What's going to be Green Book this year? <laughs> Am I a terrible person if I admit I have no idea what Green Book is? Oh, it was the movie that went Best Picture last year, and it was
2: kind of... Uh, What's the term I'm thinking of? Uh, paternally uh, trying to make a not racist message, but that was actually pretty paternally racist.
0: Oh, OK. There's lots yeah. of those. Oh, yeah. They give them warts. They love those. Oh, man. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. the Academy loves those.
0: That's their favorite. <laughs> I thought Oscar bait was always like, you know, Rain Man or something or a biopic of somebody who's like 100 years dead. That's also in there. Yeah. I mean, that's the other type of movie they really go for. <laughs> Yeah. So what are the nominees for Best Picture? Oh man, I don't even know. <laughs> I was just throwing that out there. <laughs> Let's see here. I've gone to see two movies this year, I think. Maybe one. Maybe one. <laughs> yeah. I know I went to see Joker a couple months ago with my girlfriend. Oh my gosh. I might have gone... It was okay. I mean, it wasn't great. I have no yeah. idea why people worship that movie as much as they do. It was a little bit... Silly stupid, but I also expect comic book movies to be a little silly stupid, so no harm Uh, no foul, I guess.
2: uh, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that's the only one of the nominees for Best Picture that I saw, and that
0: was great. That was really good. Is that the Quentin Tarantino one? Yes.
2: There are lots of scenes with feet that you're pretty sure he jerked off to, but...
0: uh, When did he get a foot fetish? Oh, he's totally into feet. It's like... All of his movies, yeah. I There's thought he was really movie. into the N-word from his old movies. That too? That oh, oh, he's still into that, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I
1: hear Parasite
2: is really good, but I haven't seen it.
1: Wait, so is Frozen 2 on the list?
0: Probably not for Best animated. <laughs> animated. Yeah, not for Best <laughs> Picture.
1: Then I have not seen any of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen much of Frozen 2? Oh, hey, Joker's <laughs> on the nominee for Best Picture. I have seen Yeah. One. Wow. Hey. Okay. 1917, that sounds that that's a great war movie, right? That's got to be. That's great an oscar rate movie. movie. Yeah. 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 Uh I don't Just know sure, it 100 years Skywalker ago. On the
1: list? What's that? Is The Rise of Skywalker on the list? Uh no. probably in <laughs> something. It was
2: probably nominated for something technical but maybe not.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, sound
0: editing. Best sound editing it
2: seems here. And visual effects.
0: Alright, well we've
1: run through the two movies I've seen this year.
0: <laughs> Frozen 2 actually did not make the list for best animated film. Well, oh, darn. There is a Pixar movie on there, but it's Toy Story 4. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to see if Rise of Skywalker is in here anywhere. Gee. Film editing? No... No. Best movie based on... Yes, it is! Music, original show. Uh, original score, excuse me. Uh, and there John Williams got a nominee. For Frozen, Frozen 2. There is a song that's been nominated for
2: best original song.
0: Oh yeah, Into the Unknown. Can you right. sing it first, for us, Chris? Do you know it?
2: <laughs> so now we've all got our rooting interests tomorrow.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, Rise of Skywalker also qualified for sound entity. So, mm-hmm. there's another one. Oh, and visual effects. Also, The Lion King qualified for that one. Wow. Isn't that a movie that came out, like, 30 years ago? <laughs> well, the the live-action one. You know, except. Yeah. yeah. Really? Okay. So, I'm, I'm looking... Did it have this... Okay. I'm not even going to question it. But, uh, <laughs> on the Oscar actual website, I swear to God, that's the same movie poster they used for the one I saw as a kid. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Alright, well, I'll wrap this up. Uh, We talked about movies on a politics show. I'm sure that's cool. Talk Um, to you guys next week. Later on, y'all. Bye. Bye, everyone.